y'all in for a treat. But do me a favor. Go follow me on Instagram at shoulda, coulda, woulda, 209. And on Facebook at shoulda, coulda, woulda. Appreciate y'all. All right, y'all. What's going on? This is another episode of shoulda, coulda, woulda. We got Dominique Howard on How you doing, sir? Doing good, brother. How you doing? Man, I'm doing blessed, man. I'm getting blessed, man. How you, uh... So let the people know who you are. I'm Dominique Howard. Um, born and raised in Stockton, California. 33 years old. Um, raised here my whole life through sports, football, basketball, track. Um, grew up on the south side of Stockton. Um, grew up in Crow Valley. It's, you know, it's not necessarily the safest neighborhood. Uh, but I had a lot of family out there. So fortunate for myself, you know, a lot of things were safer on that side. Um, you know, I grew up with my mom, man, pretty much after my parents divorced at an early mm-hmm. age. She pretty much did everything and anything she could to take care of us. You know, we mm-hmm. had our struggles, but it's one thing I can't say about mom that she always made a way, you know. Yeah, shout out to mom. Like that in my life to keep me grounded mm-hmm. um, coming up because it's not easy growing up without a father. Especially yeah. like, man, and in Stockton, you know what I'm saying? It was so many outlets that I could have taken. I've tried oh, to yeah. trust me. Like <laughs> yeah. maybe you you you're not the wisest in, in a lot of situations. Yeah. So I tried to take a couple outlets just to find some love. You know what I'm saying? Just yeah. to find myself fitting in and and find a place of, I guess, security. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Just to feel safe. You know. So a lot of times I couldn't find that with my cousins. You know, in the streets coming up. So I gravitated towards sports. And, yeah. You know, and that was something that was always natural for me. Sports, sports. Sports, okay, talking about sports. So I, I kind of, I grew up out south, and I played hoop over on. I know you probably know the Thompson boys. I, that's my cousins. That's my first cousins over there on airport. Right. Yeah. So uh, I played a lot on airport. Played uh-huh. with, uh, and then I played on the second street. You know, it's four blocks over there. So I played on the second yeah. street behind uh, airport a lot. Uh, but uh, so what? Uh, what? Pop Warner did you play? I didn't play Pop Warner. Like, to be oh, honest, you came to football at a young age. The most I did was flag football. I okay. didn't play contact sports until I got to high school, freshman year. Okay. And See. the only reason why I got into that is because the football coach convinced me and my mom that, hey, this will make him a lot stronger for basketball. Yeah. I was always known as basketball. Basketball, basketball, basketball. So, like, football and track, that would be, like, coming up, that was something I would just do. Just to just for fun, you know what I'm saying? Like okay. the school was having it, then I'll get involved into it. You know what I'm saying? Like Taylor Elementary and Marshall, they had their own little flag football teams. Yeah, you know that they had outside for extracurricular activities and stuff. So I'll get involved in that. But I never like honestly got to like Pop Warner and stuff like that. Basketball was always my passion. That's uh-huh. what I was, like basketball, basketball. Like from first to sixth grade, it was always me like playing with the older kids, trying to get better. It got to the point, like, when I was in sixth grade, I was the only one at Taylor Elementary dunking the basketball. You know, so that was, like, <laughs> yeah. that was my thing. Yeah, basketball was my, my everything. Yeah. Yeah, but getting into high school, it was crazy because, like, as I got older going to high school, you know, from freshman up until senior year, that it started to make a switch. Football started to become my passion. So, yeah. so yeah. how was that? I mean – a lot of and, and the reason why that's I, I'm glad you said that that you didn't start until high school is because a lot of parents uh want their kids to play football, mm-hmm. but at the same time it's like, man, I don't know, you know, and, and they do wait till high school. Yeah. And I tell them it ain't nothing wrong with waiting till high school. You know what I'm saying? It's you really just want to keep them 
in the game, though. Like, you was playing flag football. You know what I'm saying? Let them know the game a little bit. Don't mm-hmm. just keep them away from the whole thing. And then all of a sudden, high school, like, here, there you go. Go out there and play. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? And expect the best. But uh, how was it coming into high school playing a contact sport? I mean, you played flag, but was it just a smooth transition? Honestly, it was a smooth transition. Um, it didn't take too long to get acclimated into it because I was already athletic, you know. Yeah. Um, only thing that was, like, challenging was just understanding the defense, you know, reading defenses and stuff like that. And, yeah. it was, of course, like, the, you know, the sport was a lot faster. It was a lot faster pace. And, of course, we got the contact. So, I mean, it didn't take too long to get acclimated into it. But, I mean, it was challenging. But yeah. what I can say for a lot of people who I've did see pick up that sport late, it was a lot easier for them to to get into it and, and to get themselves adjusted into it, being athletic and all, especially if they already did sports prior to that. So yeah. my thing is for parents is, honestly, I wouldn't force anything on any kid. Let the kid choose. You know what I'm saying? Let yeah. the kid gravitate to whatever sport he or she sees fit. And yeah. they'll naturally, you know what I'm saying, they'll naturally groom themselves into that. And you most likely, a lot of kids do get burnt out by the time they get, you know what I'm saying, high school, yeah. I mean, college area and stuff like that. You get burnt uh-huh. out. So with you starting in high school, that's that was perfect. Like, I'm just, this is, I, I just found my first love in high school. So, uh-huh. you know what I'm saying, it's kind of perfect. Yeah. yeah perfect timing. Because their parents, you know, they want them, they want to push them so hard, so hard, especially yeah. throughout the summer. You know, they have a lot of AAUs and summer traveling teams, stuff like that. And parents don't understand, like, your kid can definitely get burnt out. And by the time they reach high school or midway through high school, their love for this sport might necessarily not even be there anymore. All because, yeah. you know, they feel like they were they got to do it. Not as yeah. opposed to, I want to do this. Man, I have to do this. You know what I'm saying? Well, I have to do this to please my mom. I have to do this to please my dad. You know, so when, I, when it comes to things like that, I definitely recommend just naturally let your kid just choose their course. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's, it's great to have, it's great to want to have your kids in athletic sports and stuff like that nature, but don't force it on them because it's okay. going to show. It's definitely going to show. So um, we get, we in high school now. So how was it as far as counselors, teachers and stuff, how was the uh, relationship between them as far as helping you get to that next level, preparing you to that next level? Cause there's a lot of schools I've had, uh, yeah. I mentioned on prior, prior uh, episodes that a lot of these teachers, and counselors don't, regardless of your GPA, they don't expect you to go anywhere but to yeah. a McDonald's afterwards. Man. So how was it? Was it any different when you was coming up? It was unfortunate, to be honest. You know, I did have a couple of teachers who had my best interests and would let me yeah. know, like, you know, this, this type of stuff is important. If you want to reach the next level, you got to start yeah. taking your classwork a lot more serious. And then the rest of them just really could care less. Like, yeah. as long as you get through that school system, as long as you graduate, get up out of here. I really yeah. could care less about you. I, man, I've had my counselors, I've had coaches, you know what I'm saying, act like they cared about me so much up until game day. They, they love you. You know what I mean? You're yeah. their best friend. At the end of the season, it's just, you know, hey, how you doing? How's yeah. it? Okay. It's high and by, you know? I had yeah. no idea what NCAA Clearinghouse was up until my <laughs> senior year. That's I had no crazy. idea what NCAA Clearinghouse was up until my senior year. And I played football at Lincoln High School for four years. That's four crazy. Years. Varsity That's two years. Crazy. I never knew what NCAA Clearinghouse And this is how I found out what NCAA Clearinghouse was on my recruiting trips. 
every time I took a recruiting trip, every counselor brought me back to the, in the back of their office, showed me the NCAA clearinghouse and what it was. And they all circled the bottom of the paper. I, I, I had one missing course out of all, all my NCAA clearinghouse. Every last one of them, every counselor, every recruiting trip I went to, they all showed me the same paper with wow. a big circle at the bottom with one course missing. I needed one additional math, science, or an English class to pass NCAA clearinghouse. And not one of my counselors, principals, vice principals, coaches, assistant coaches, athletic director. These are the same people who would love to brag about me on Channel 10 News, SJAATV, the newspaper. You know, these same people that love you. Yeah. Right? When it comes to representing the school, but when it comes to benefiting myself, they had no words for me. They act like they were shocked. That's crazy. That's crazy you said that because I I uh I think you mentioned it before that you went to Lincoln, but I didn't know that you went to yeah. Lincoln. And the crazy thing is I had another interview that got messed up. I gotta redo it, but she uh -huh. had mentioned she went to Lincoln uh -huh. and her grandmother was big time in the educational system. Right. And they even came at her like, well. Um, Delta, they was offering her like Delta, telling her about Delta and stuff. She like, y'all know who my grandmother is. You telling me Delta. She's like, ain't nothing wrong with Delta, but y'all know our plans is bigger than Delta. Our plans is for me to go to this university or something. That's not in my plan. That's Trust crazy me. that you Trust said me. that. That's, that's something that was implemented into me my whole life. My mother, you know, she went to college, Alabama A&M on a full-ride scholarship. What? She's only 5'9 in her height, and she dunked the basketball. Like, if I got to I'll show you. Like, you can look it up in Alabama A&M, yeah. like the history, like Michelle West. She was dunking basketballs, you know what I'm saying? So my mother instilled that into me ever since I was born. You yeah. know, the goal is to go to college. I'm going to get you to college, whatever it takes. Full-ride, you're going to get to college, you know what I'm saying? She so, from Cali? No, she's from New York. My mother was born in Brooklyn. Okay. See, and that's, yeah. that's another thing we talk. Uh, California, we don't, we're not taught that. You know what I'm saying? Uh -huh. Coming up, you go to work and that's about it. You right. know what I'm saying? It's, right. it's, you got to be a special family to know and talk about college and your family. I mean, it's talked about. Don't get me wrong. It's talked about, but the steps, and that's, and that's the reason why I'm getting, doing this podcast because those steps are missing. Now we have high school, we talk about college, but don't nobody know the steps to get there. So right. everybody exactly. pass college and go to work. You know exactly. what I'm saying? And it's and it's just asking. If you don't ask, you ain't gonna know. So right. I'm right. doing all the questions for everybody because I'm. We got to stop this generational thing. You know what I'm saying? And the whole the East Coast is big on school. The South is big on school. The West they, Coast, they, they like man, they, all right. Like today's cool. Yeah, they it, like it all right. is when it comes to us in school. Yep. You know? It just is what it is. If I don't school, go to school, then I'll just trash. get. Yeah, yeah, everything. It's unfortunate. It's really unfortunate. And and when that time had came, like man, it was really it had really hit me hard. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. To go from all area wide receiver to the possibility of now I got to go to junior college. All yeah. because nobody helped me with my NCAA clearinghouse. Like I'm graduating with a 3.2 GPA, but nobody nobody helped me with an NCAA clearinghouse. That's crazy. In fact, they even convinced me to pick up two more electives before that school year started. What? Yeah, yeah, man. I'm I'm not telling no lies. Yeah, no lies, <laughs> no lies. Everything was <laughs> fine and dandy. I was a TA for my defensive coordinator. So they did. So yeah. So I saw the defensive coordinator the every day. Every day I saw a defensive coordinator, and he didn't tell me about NCAA clearinghouse. In fact, he would always ask me how are my recruiting trips going. 
Oh, such and such wants to talk to you again. Idaho wants to talk to you again. Fresno is coming up here to see you again. Hawaii's coming up here to see you. Do you think Idaho's they knew? They knew exactly. Exactly. And it's like, man, when I'm on these recruiting, I'm, I'm spending so much time going on recruiting trips week after week. And they all showing me and telling me the same thing. Your NCAA clearinghouse is not finished. Why anybody tell you about this? That's that's crazy. It got to the point that, where I knew what was coming when the counselor called me. Yeah, I know what time it is. Yeah. It was so hard trying to set myself up to to try to backtrack and and pick up that course that I could have had for my NCAA clearinghouse. I tried to exactly pick up a Delta class. I tried to pick up a, a class at Sac State, Sac City. I couldn't do none of that. None of that, man. I just had to graduate and go to whatever junior college would help me, whatever they could, as fast as possible to get me out. So did uh, did you take an SAT at all? Yeah, man, I took my SATs. The what, After what my year? SATs, I took my ACTs. Took what year did you take that? I think it was my junior year that I took. Okay. Yeah. At least they you did that on your own or your – uh, the school was trying to help you and tell you about that. No, the school kind of helped had helped me with that portion. Okay, no problem with that? Yeah. Okay. My, uh, head coach had helped me with that, and the athletic director had helped me setting that up. Okay, so coming into your senior year, what uh, what was you expected? I mean, you seen that they you was going on these trips, and you had this one class, this one course you wasn't taking. So, what was to be expected coming out of your senior year? Was you expected like, man, they might just slide me through, or you just knew? Honestly, yeah. Idaho yeah. State, Idaho State, Fresno, and Sac State—they were talking about helping me in all type of ways, especially yeah. Idaho State and Sac State. Sac State was calling me every day, every day. Yeah. But man, like at that point, I'm thinking, okay, I got Fresno, you know, Idaho, Washington State all these higher level schools that are showing yeah. interest in me, why would I want to go to Sac State? You know what I'm saying? At, at yeah. that age, that's what was in my mind. Like, why would I want to go to Sac State if I could, you know, these other yeah. big schools are, and I know for a fact that I could go to Fresno or Washington State and do damage. Like Coach Simon yeah. at Fresno State, he was talking about bringing me as a true freshman. You yeah. know, from Idaho State, Washington State, same thing. Yeah. So in the back of my mind, I'm not even trying to hear what Sac State is talking about, but those are one of the schools that were do, willing to do whatever it took to help me. And I definitely yeah. probably should have took that deal, <laughs> to be honest. Man. I probably should have. <laughs> matter of fact, I should have took that deal because yeah. after that, after high school, I graduated and went on to – it was my two choices was um, San Francisco City or Sacramento City College. Those were my two choices. I knew mm -hmm. a few athletes that were already attending San Francisco City, and there was a, a, a well-known coach from Stockton that was coaching at Sac City. So I was torn in between the two because I had guys that I looked up to going to San Francisco City for their year, and they got out of there. Or I can go to Sac City, which is very close to home, and you know play for a coach that's, that's well-known and could push guys out. So those yeah. were my choices right there. Okay, so you coming from and that how is that mentally? Because, like you said, you this top recruit out of Lincoln. You you got you feel like because at, at that point I would how I would feel is like I have everything stacked against me. Now my my teachers let me down, my counselors let me down, the coaches that's telling me that's feeding all this stuff in my head is letting me down. They use basically used you for the whole four years. 
Yeah. Now I'm I'm going to a JC when I should have been going to these top universities. How did that affect you mentally? Man, to be honest, like it was embarrassing. Yeah. It was embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> it was embarrassing. Like I had a girlfriend at the time. She was, you know, she was a top recruiting track. And so thankfully she was help very helpful to keep my mind right. You know, yeah. dealing in me like everything's gonna be all right, things gonna be better on top of, you know, my mom and my close friends. So thankfully I had people like that in my corner to help me get my mind back on track because without that, man, I would have been so stuck on just being a, being and feeling like a failure. You know, it's not easy having your peers, you know, rooting for you and cheering for you and being so happy and praising you week in and week out. And then just to see you fall, like, damn, you didn't go nowhere. (laughs) Yeah. You know what I mean? And then then not necessarily even understanding why. Yeah. You know, and it, a lot of people look at it as if, oh, well, he just fell off. He wasn't good enough. He he, he didn't do it like yeah. that. He didn't do it like that. I knew he couldn't. You know what I mean? You got the next yep. that just couldn't wait to say something. And that would start way yep. So within that, like, I would start training harder, training more. You know what I'm saying? Start preparing myself for, okay, I'm going to go to JUCO, but guess what? I'm going to be Dom 2.0 at that JUCO. Everybody know who I was at Lincoln. Now I'm going to get to this JUCO bigger, stronger, and faster, and I'm really finna tear it up. Right? Yeah. That's, that's what – that throughout that next summer, that's what helped keep my gears going. Just that's trying good. to positive, just trying to prove prove people wrong. Like my friend had told me a long time ago, like, man, you're you're one of those people that are gonna make it in spite of people instead of because of people. And it's yeah. unfortunate, but that's how it is for you. You know what I'm saying? Like as long that's as you're you gonna make it. So yeah. Yeah, stuff like that that I had to deal with. And man, I trust me, the road <laughs> just got it just kept going downhill from there, man. Downhill from there. So let me, uh, I'm going to go back. You had mentioned your girl. So I started this because of my daughter, right? And uh, on every episode, I talk about like high school relationships, how I want my daughter to talk to somebody that's going to the same places she's going. You know what I'm saying? I I don't care who she talked to. As long as he got the same mindset of going to school, doing doing better at the next level, because I don't need nobody down. And so, yeah, and so you have mentioned your girl, man. That was that's this is the first episode I've talked to where somebody mentioned their girl in high school and they actually helped them and encouraged them and yeah. pushed them to the next level. You know what I'm saying? Like uh-huh. a lot of them, they were like, nah, my high school that shit, nah, I didn't like it, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, nah. But this is the first one that you know what I'm saying? And, and that tells a lot about your character, not only hers, but your character. Like you didn't just date everybody. You know what I'm saying? You didn't just nah, go after I, that. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, in high school, I had, you know, my slip ups. But at yeah, that yeah. time, for sure, that was my man. <laughs> like, that was, yeah, my, yeah. that was my main focus. It was her. Like, yeah. we're going to do this. Like, we're going to make it. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. Sure. And, and and she definitely um had everything in common with me as far as, you know, life goes, sports, you know, family, all that. Yeah. In the world. So that was important. Like, that realigned me. To be honest, yeah, to be honest, like I could have just, you know what, said, forget all of this. I'd failed yeah. already and just went and gotten a job. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. But thankfully, it was people like her, you know, my family, they just told me, like, man, you can't quit. Like, come yeah. on, are you serious? There's no way you could quit. You got to make it. So uh, now you're out of high school and you're going to uh, a JC. How was, the, how was that life? Was it... Uh, was it a hard start or you just like, you just like skip this. Let me dust this 
dust off my shoulder. Let me get it off my shoulder real quick, and I'm gonna push. Yeah, or was it just mentally? Hard. Yeah, extremely hard financially. You know, for the first couple months, it was pretty hard because my grants and everything haven't, haven't came in yet. So, yeah. you know, and plus I was still living in Stockton. So when I decided to go to Sac City, I had to travel out there and I didn't have a car. So I would have to find, you know, rides to practice, this, that, yeah. and the third. And um, that was a struggle. You know what I'm saying? On top of trying to make the team, trying to make an impression on all the coaches and your freshmen. So, you know, as a freshman, you're already – Look down upon in a yeah. lot of ways. So you gotta really make a name for yourself. So yeah. it was it was really hard, man, trying to keep focus in in that aspect on top of you know my failures that I had just went through. But all in all, like I just always remember telling myself, like, I gotta make it. Yeah. Like it's gonna be tough, you know what I'm saying? But this is part of growing up. I'm a man now, <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just can't remind myself, I'm a man now. You know, yeah. it's time to leave the nest. You know, I'm 18 now, like. I got to start handling my business. I can't continue yeah. to depend on other people. You know, it's going to be times where I have to find my way. So that's yeah. why I never reminded myself, like, man, we just got to find our way. We just got to grow up, you know, just yeah. continue to keep pushing. And yeah. yeah, man, it was tough. It was tough. But like I said, thankfully I had grants like the Stock Hall of Fame that had gave me a grant. Um, I had got a couple grants from the state. So that definitely, you know, helped me get into the door. And in a lot of ways, I was able to get myself to my own apartment, um, uh -huh. I had my position coach, Booker Guyton, he, he was helpful enough to help me find a job, which eventually started paying for my apartment. So yeah. that was a blessing within itself right there. Like, you yeah. know, where I was living, I was also working. So my room was free, you know. Oh, so, that's solid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> that's like, solid. Yeah, like, it was tough at first, man. But, like, one thing that always, always kept, kept me was my faith, like, that's one thing that kept me. Yeah. You know, it's gonna get better. It's gonna get better. Kept my trust in God and just stayed the course. So, That's crazy. That and at the young age that you were, and you still had the faith like you had, because it, like you said, I mean, Crow Valley. Everybody know where Crow Valley is. Everybody know the East Side. Man, it's any. You could have went any way you wanted to. Yeah. Any way. It was there. <laughs> it was there. Yeah, it was right every there. Day. It was there every day. Hey. You know what I'm saying like up until like I definitely seen the craziest of things you know thankfully yeah. my parents you know moved us out that neighborhood but we still live yeah. on the south side we still we we stay right next to conway so you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah. it was still prevalent it was still there you know what i mean but yeah. it was a better environment you know what i'm yeah. saying so yeah i definitely could have went any direction especially going to taylor and marshall it was yeah. everywhere bro everywhere like yeah. every day you know and like i said i've tried to, I, I definitely tried to head that direction but yeah. What ain't meant for you ain't meant for you. And I, I'm definitely, definitely thankful God kept me away from a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. Yeah. So you get to your football career now. We in J, we at the JC. And uh, so how did your career uh, start and end at the, uh, as far as college? Man, as soon as I left high school, it was like my career started over. Uh-huh. Like I wasn't the big name guy no more. You know what I'm saying? I wasn't a big man on campus. Yeah. Wasn't all area wide receiver. You know, I wasn't wasn't no more Nike combines. None of that stuff. Yeah. So, like, man, who are you? Like, oh, okay, yeah, okay, we heard of you. So what? <laughs> it doesn't matter. Like none of that matters when you step on the field as a freshman. None of that matters. It all starts over. And especially for me, it was a hard, tough battle. You know, yeah. and 
it was unfortunate in my situation, especially like a couple other freshmen who also came from Stockton and were all area wide receivers. We all decided to go to Sac City. As freshmen, we had to battle um, competing with our coach's nephew and his son, who were also wide receivers. Oh, yeah. 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 So, <laughs> oh, yeah. in the back of our mind, you know, naturally coming from Stockton, man, you, you don't want nobody to, to think they better to anything. Like, it's yeah. like, and we, okay, you. We gonna battle. We gonna we gonna see who better. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So that natural competitiveness in, in in us being from Stockton. It's just I don't know what it is. It's just that edge it's that Stockton. we actually have. Like, yeah. Like you trying right now? Okay. Well, what's up? Like if you want to race, yep. let's race. <laughs> like you know what I mean? Like, yep. That type of thing. Like so that like every day in practice, like that's how we were going at these dudes. Like oh, okay. Well, you think you could do this? Well, we catching it with one hand now. Oh well, you think you you could you could do that? Well, shoot, we we making people fall when we run routes now. Like whatever you yeah. do, we gonna do better than you just because you're the coach's nephew and you his son. But none yeah. of that matters. <laughs> none of that yeah. matters. Yeah. Came first, came time to get numbers and everything. Like everybody's all juice thinking they gonna get single digit numbers and all this that and the third. Everybody thought we was getting like disgusting numbers, 88, 89 stuff. Like yeah, that. <laughs> man, we really shined during that summer, and we we got any number we wanted. And that pissed yeah. off a lot of people, a lot of people. But yeah. we worked for that. You know what I'm saying? Like, we were the underdogs, and we made a name for ourselves. But came – I'll never forget, came day one, uh, the first – like, the first game, the very first game, none of us got a lick at that time. None of us. <laughs> not, not, not a single second. We all sideline, like, hey, coach, call you? Nah, man, like, feeling and looking dumb. That lasted, like, midway through the season. That's so that was a crazy. tough battle, man, saying people that you know you're better than and your yeah. people are saying, like, verbally saying, like, these guys are better than these dudes. Like, and it doesn't yeah. matter. They're getting all the playing time. Not only are they getting playing time, they're doing whatever the heck they want. They're coming to practice yeah. drunk. They're coming to the, the locker room drunk, asking you if you want to take a shot. And that's like a slap in the face because they know they're not going to get in trouble. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, they know they could do whatever they want. So, yeah. I mean, that was tough. It definitely was tough mentally, like seeing seeing all that go down. It's just like, man, like, what am I doing here? Yeah, you know what you, I mean. Yeah, you had mentioned something in the beginning. Uh, I take, I talked to, I know you know Derek Graves. I had did an interview with him, and uh, he was talking about how he had to go to a JC. And a lot of people don't know it's doggy dog at these JCs. Yeah. I don't care who you were. It really is <laughs> at these other schools. At these high schools, but when you go to a JC, it's dog eat dog. They still got top recruit talent at these JCs. Yeah. Don't don't get caught slipping. Honey, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> it don't matter who you are when you yeah. came out of high school. It it was so bad, like man, it, it it was like I lost my name. You know what I'm saying? I was coming back <laughs> from the stock, yeah. and people were like, "Damn, what, what's going on in Sex City?" Yeah, man. <laughs> and it goes back to what I was saying earlier. People think yep. you fell off. One, you didn't go to college. You didn't go to D1 University that you were supposed to go to that everybody thought yeah. you were going to. Now you're at a junior college. Now you're not playing at a junior college. It's like, man, this dude's funny. You know what yeah. I mean? So, you got a lot of people just losing faith and losing their belief in you as an athlete. Yeah. So, yeah, man, it's it was a lot. It definitely was a lot. Definitely so, was a lot. did you finish up at – uh, Sac City, or what yeah, went on after that? Both years at Sac City. Um, our first, my first year there, we ended up winning the bowl. Uh, we won the Shrine Bowl. Uh, I started getting more playing time later on throughout the season. Not as much as mm -hmm. I definitely should have been getting, but 
I, they started to throw us in the rotation a little more. Um, following year, rotation was a lot better. Um, it was pretty much just it was our show. But yeah. our our offensive coordinator wasn't allowed to call the show. We still had the head coach calling everything. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. that was another struggle that we had to deal with. And then I got injured. I pulled my groin uh, in the middle of practice. All so we. It was summer practice. I had um, Idaho State back out there looking at me. It was Idaho mm -hmm. and Fresno. They were in Cylon talking to the coaches and whatnot, watching us all run routes. And I remember vividly, man, it was one-on-ones, me and the DB. That I knew I was going to get open on. I'm running a dig route, and as soon as I planted right into the ground, it, it felt like somebody stabbed me repeatedly in my groin over and over and over and over and over. That was the worst pain I've ever felt in my life. So I ended up pulling, pulling my groin right in front of the same scouts that knew exactly who I was and exactly what I was about. And that, that hindered my chances right then and there. So, yeah, I man, it was a lot. <laughs> it was a lot that I had to deal with. So I was out for a minute. I ended up pulling my groin and I fractured my pelvic bone. Oh. Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> it was crazy, man. Yeah, it's like oh. nobody believed how I was able to do something like that just running around. I don't know how I was able to do something like that just running around, but yeah. it definitely put me back some months for sure yeah. it, was, it was hard getting myself into rehab and getting that thing back right just to try yeah. to make season you know what i'm saying so thankfully i was able to get myself right and i made it to season you know we went up there yeah. to play first game of the season and you know, shine so i was i was finally able to get my shine oh you came back off the injury shining came back off the injury bro as soon as i came in the game it was like 60 yard fade boom throw it to dawn to the crib, but they said I stepped out of bounds at the one. Like, man, it was, it was terrible. Yeah. So, yeah, man, I came back, did my thing, but yeah. That's what's up. That's what's up. So now we finish with uh, JC at Sac City. Did you go anywhere after that? Yeah, I had um, some some offers from Arkansas State. Um, it was another from a couple other JCs, but I ended up going to Minot State uh, at the time. They were uh, NAIA for the transition to Division Two. I should have went to Arkansas State, though. But in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, because Minot State's located in North Dakota. So mm -hmm. in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, North Dakota, me, North Dakota, yeah, I'm finna. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about to go get a whole lot. Because, uh, like, a lot, one of my teammates, uh, Hakeem Nix, he, Hakeem Hicks, he plays, I think he's still on the Bears right now. But he had to ended up taking um, his route to uh, – he went to Canada for college. So he was okay. on a big dip. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to just go out here and wreck it, which he did. Went out there yeah. and got drafted. You know what I'm saying? So that's where my mindset was. I'm about to go out yeah. here and destroy everything. Get numbers, yeah. rack them up, and go to the NFL, right? Right. Wrong. <laughs> wrong. So what happened? Wrong. They sold me the dream, man, as far as, you know – uh, giving me the scholarship full ride, you know what I'm saying? We'll promise uh, you 70 catches a season. We got the Minnesota Vikings right here, who's already scouting the number one running back in the nation, who's on our team. So everything's good. I'm okay. Yeah, everything's set up for me. As opposed to, you know, Arkansas State, they had a mobile quarterback who really wasn't that efficient. He always liked running as opposed to throwing. So my options was, uh, yeah. yeah, I'm going to go over here where it's easier and I could get more shine. But yeah. so out there, like, the story was completely different. I was dealing with the same thing I dealt with Sac City. Head coach, yeah. this time it's his son who plays the same position as I do. 
and he was two years younger than me, and he was already starting. So on top of trying to outbeat his son, I had to deal with the head coach having attitude issues towards me. And mm -hmm. to be honest, my attitude wasn't the best either. Like, yeah, you're coming at me, I was gonna come at you back. Yeah, and that wasn't necessarily the smartest thing to do in a lot of situations, especially your head coach. Yeah. So one thing I want to reiterate to, to like the youth is, man, keep your head on straight. <laughs> like, keep your head on yeah. straight. Yeah. Stay you know, humble. Like, swallow your pride when it comes to dealing with your head coach in a lot of ways. Yeah. At the end of the day, it is their show. It's not yeah. only their show, they have the last say when it comes exactly. to coach. professionally and on a collegiate level. Your head coach will always have the last say. It does not matter. I've seen people that should have been at Boise State, um, Washington, Florida State, that lost scholarship yeah. rights just because the head coach said he doesn't have good attitude. So I've, I've, I've literally been in the same room with head coaches and scouts. And I've heard the head coach say, you don't want this dude. He's got bad attitude. And these are all area players that have missed out on full ride scholarship and had to go JUCO too. I don't want to say no names specifically. Yeah, yeah. But these are all area players that have missed out on full ride scholarships to some prestigious schools, man. I'm talking about some high yeah. school. Come on, Boise State, Washington. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. literally passed up on guys just because the head coach said, no, thank you. I've seen – the number one running back NIA nation, number one NIA running back in the nation, in the nation, lost he lost his 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 um opportunity to be with the Minnesota Vikings because the head coach said you don't want to deal with this dude. He has a bad attitude. One, once and you get that red eye on this dude, I'm talking about they wanted this dude so bad, and it's just like, nah, you really nah. his character ain't you know, it's not all the way. Yeah. You when know, you get that rep, that it's over. Yeah. When your character it's is bad, <laughs> when you get that bad character rep. <laughs> yep, it's over. Well, you might have to that up. They do not, they do not want to yeah. deal with it. I, and I do not, it does not matter. I do not care what you think about yourself athletically. Yep. You are going to hit the same door, same wall we all hit. I don't care. Exactly. His attitude, exactly. well, we'll find somebody with a good attitude. It's going to be somebody yeah. that's close to your athleticism, your speed, your jumping ability, your, your hands. It doesn't matter. They can find somebody else, and they will. Exactly. Exactly. They will. <laughs> they exactly. definitely will. I, uh, I was going to uh, – I went to Santa Ana to uh, try – well, I passed I, – I was going to JC route because I didn't want to do SATs for one. But uh, for ball, basketball, but – I knew when I got to that school, like you said, it was, I thought I was cool, but when I got there, it was 10 other me's. Yeah. And like 10 times better. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, it's a like we, we stay in Stockton, we be killing in Stockton. Uh -huh. And I ain't saying we can't kill on the outside, but it's very slim for you to go out there and kill like you killing in Stockton. Exactly. It's very slim. You, it's, Man, it's, the, the chances are shit. very slim. You will have to – it's dog-eat-dog -dog world regardless of what level of school you go to. Mm -hmm. So even mentioning that, uh, that I mean, you finished – so you finished up school, right? And as far as uh, when you went to – you went to JC and now you went to uh, North Dakota? Yeah, um, so I went to Sac City and I was majoring in criminal justice both there and at Minot State. Okay. Yeah, so I didn't finish at Minot State. I didn't finish my criminal justice degree completely. Okay. Yeah, I had left there to come home to play arena football. Oh, okay. When uh, they was out down, downtown? 
Well, initially I had trials with the San Jose Sabercats. Okay. They invited me to camp, and I was only there for like two days, man, and blew my hamstring. Oh. <laughs> yeah, man. So I told you, my my <laughs> career, man. You, it's like yeah. you should have just gave up, bro. Like it just kept going down. It just kept going down. So I blew my hamstring like first two days with the Sabercats, and they ended up sending me home back to Stockton. Came back to Stockton. Thankfully, that's when they were opening up that uh, arena team out here. And my best friend, they already had signed him. So in the midst of me being at home, rehabbing every day with my hamstring, feeling down about myself, my yeah. best friend just hit me like, man, don't worry about it. Like, I, I guarantee you, you're going to get on this team. Just just make sure you get yourself healthy, get yourself right. And I already told the coach about you. Like, as soon as you're ready, just come to the practice, man. Like, I'm going to bring you up here and it's going to be all good. Yeah, missed that. Like I'm doing my best to just try to get back on the Saber Cats. Yeah, it wasn't happening. You know what I'm saying? They pretty pretty much told me, you know, rehab it up, come back next year. We'll bring you back in for the workouts and see what we could do from there. So I started to continue to rehab my hamstring. Got that as, as best to 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 as best as I could um, as, as far as strength. And I just went through with you know what my best friend told me. Man, I just took him up on his offer. I went to the practice. Yeah. Uh, got acclimated with the coach and pretty much just did my thing. I just yeah. kept shining every practice, every practice, every practice. And he just told me, you know what, I want you to be a part of the team. So um, just come back for camp. Went in for camp. You know, it was a bunch of receivers. I'm talking about <laughs> at least almost 30 receivers. God, yeah. Dang. And that's, that's, yeah. At for least. Arena? Just wide receiver, yeah, for arena, right? Because <laughs> this is a new team that's coming to Stockton, so you got all yeah. type of dudes coming out here. Like we had so many people at camp, it wasn't even funny. It wasn't even right. funny. Yeah, but they they definitely shortened that like after like the first week and a half. Yeah. But man, it was so many wide receivers out there. It was crazy, bro. Like the like you talking about ten more use? Man, I had yeah. guys that were Sac City alumni. Two of them. I remember seeing these dudes on the Sex City tapes like, oh, y'all need to be like these dudes. Y'all need to emulate these routes. Y'all need to run routes like these. These was my guys before y'all got here. You know what I'm saying? Oh, so hey, I was at, at, yeah, at, at the camp, like, damn. <laughs> like, <laughs> how, many more, how many more odds are going to be stacked against me? Yeah, I just yeah. came up to rehab my, my hamstring injury. Now we got all these receivers in here. You already bring it back five of them, guarantees five is coming back. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then you got the, the the dudes that I used to watch. You brought them in here too. Damn. <laughs> so <I'm> like, man, <laughs> what, what else do you want from me? <laughs> in the back of my mind, man, I just kept telling myself, keep pushing, keep grinding. Yeah. You know what? It's either gonna be you or them. At the end of the day, it's gonna be you or them. You know what I'm saying? You just gotta put yeah. yourself above them somehow. You know what I mean? So I always made sure I had did something better than somehow. Like always, able, I was always able to out jump everybody. I wasn't the fastest. I was never the fastest on my team. I was yeah. always, always able to out jump everybody. I was always stronger. So I just used yeah. that to my ability. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Especially when I came in that red zone. Coach knew yeah. 100%. I'm throwing it to Dom in the red zone. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. once I got that, I just held on to that and just kept pushing yeah. throughout the camp. And man, they signed me. You know what I'm saying? So I was yeah. just thankful for that. Like, Never doubted myself. As yeah. much as as much as the odds were stacked against me, it's like you know I can't I can't doubt myself. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I've experienced doubting myself before, and I've seen the failure that comes with that. 
So yeah. I was never, I've always vowed to bow to myself to never doubt myself again. Yeah. Because putting doubt in yourself, you definitely will fail. That man. You could have literally sell and passed your own beliefs. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Your own expectations. If you really believe in yourself, you will excel past your own expectations. Yeah. And that's you know, yeah. Doubt, that's it. It's cut off right there. You ain't you ain't lying. That's how I was, man. And that's why I didn't go. I didn't go nowhere. After high school, I just went to work. Yeah. And I doubted yeah. myself. You know what I'm saying? I didn't I didn't uh, gamble on myself. And uh that's the crazy thing. And even just listening to you right now, you got the don't quit sweatshirt on, right? And I watch, I do a lot of watching. I don't, I don't really engage on Facebook. I might comment here, there. I, I do a lot of watching though, people watching it. Uh, just listening to what your story is and then matching what you, how you move on Facebook and how your business and stuff like that, man. Correlate. Like it, 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 it puts, do it, just yeah, do it. It, it. it puts you like, no lie. Like your business just went like a, in a magnifying glass to me now. As far as how you move, because I'm yeah. I'm hearing now it's a backstory. You know what I'm saying? You could tell your kids don't do this, don't do that. But if you don't tell them why, or you don't tell them that you experienced it, they ain't gonna know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So with with me hearing your backstory, yeah, and what you experienced, and then seeing the don't quit, do it. It's like makes man, sense. No. <laughs> yeah, even, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, just, yeah. It, it just clicked. I'm like, yeah. okay. Like my head, uh, like and we uh, haven't my, even got to your testimony yet. Yeah, so it's like, and that's the crazy know, part. That's the yeah. crazy part. Like my offensive coordinator at Sac City used to always say, "There's a method to my madness," and he used to yeah. say that because we would we wouldn't understand necessarily what he was doing at first until we saw the bigger picture, and then he would remind yeah. us, "There's a method to my madness." You know what I'm saying? It may yeah. not make sense to you now, but it will later. You know, so when people see like the "Don't quit, do it," just like you said, you know, it, it, at first it just it just seems like a logo. Or something like yeah that. yeah you know something like a brand but this actually means something to me <laughs> you know yeah. what i mean it means something to a lot of people too and a lot of people yeah. that know my backstory know exactly what this means man Just don't quit bro don't quit on yourself you could do it yeah. i tell my clients all the time in the midst of them ready to quit they be so ready to quit in the middle of a rep and i just remind them don't quit don't quit don't quit you gonna get through this you can do it you know what i'm saying yeah. that little boost and get some all the way through just same thing with life man it's gonna be hard yeah. it's gonna be hard we all know it's gonna be hard that's what you signed yeah. up for, <laughs> but don't quit. Don't so quit. Be, just keep before we get into your testimony, do you, uh, cause I'm just, like I said, I'm just listening and peeping. Do you consider yourself or are you a life coach? Do you do any life coaching or anything like that? And I wouldn't consider you, myself a life coach, but I've definitely counseled, you know, a lot of people in my life, especially like the youth. Uh, I worked at a group uh -huh. home for some years. I ended up managing one of the group home houses. So I definitely um, was involved in day-to-day -day counseling, yeah. day in and day out with counseling. A lot of my friends and a lot of my peers, you know, experience the same things I've been through. I'm yeah. able to help them, you know, whenever I can. You know, my thing is, like, if, if I've already made the mistake for you, I'm going to do my best to make sure you don't do the same thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or if I got any wisdom to pass on, I'm going to give it to you. Knowledge, yeah. all that should be free. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So if I can, trust me, I will. I will. You might need to add that to your title, man. I'm, I'm just like I said. I, I, I people watch. I just listen. I, I yeah. sit in the back. I, you ain't gonna really hear me do too much yeah. out there, but you, you might need to add that to your resume, man. Because uh, appreciate it. Maybe a lot I'll of people, soon. huh? I said maybe soon. Maybe soon. I appreciate man, you coming. Yeah. It's, it's, man. It's, it's, it's very rare that you meet people like yourself, and that's why I'm saying it. it it's, uh. 
uh, how can I put it? It, it, like I said, it's very rare that you meet people like yourself, especially us. I'm young too. I'm 35. I'll be 35 this year, but it's it's not it's we're not out there no more. You know what I'm saying? You, you meet people like us. We either selfish, don't want to help nobody. It's very rare that you meet the kind of person, the kind of mentality that you have. And uh, yeah, man, you need to carry that and be proud of that. You know what I'm saying? I, I know you are, but be proud, man. I'm telling you myself, be proud of that. Why would I'll try not to be proud in a lot of ways. Yeah. I, mean, I do my best to be humble as I can. You know yeah, yeah. But I would let that light shine. How about that? Exactly, I'll yeah. That. I'll continue to let that light shine. I wouldn't be necessarily proud, but I'll let yeah. that light shine. You know what I'm saying? It's just something that God gave me because I could have just ignored that. I could have yeah. been selfish. I could have been just like, man, forget it. You know what I'm saying? But I paid attention to my own struggles and the struggles that were around me. So within that, like it just instilled in me, like if I want something and everything better around me, I got to be better. I got to do exactly. Better. You know what I mean? Yeah. If I want my peers and everything to feel and look and act better, I got to, you know what I'm saying, make sure I'm doing better to attract exactly. that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's the law of attraction. Not a lot of people understand that, you know? Yeah. So I do my best to, especially these days, man, it, it took me a lot of lessons to learn, especially within the past six years, like you really got to do unto others that you want done unto you. Yeah. And that's since biblical. We on that, and since we on that note, let's, let's talk about your testimony. Let's give the people what, uh, your testimony. All right. Shoot. Well, since we was already on the course, um, you know, yeah. my arena football and everything, um, I had played one year in Stockton following year. I had went and played, uh, in Laredo, Texas, uh, finished mm-hmm. out there. And I was coming back home, so it's 2014. Thankfully, um, I was able to get myself in a situation where I had some workouts set aside for me in Canada. Uh, one of them being like the BC Lions. They were like really, really big and communicating with me and making sure I was getting out there. So I did my best to I hired a trainer. Um, I got uh, another trainer, rest in peace to my boy Ruben Jackson. He was helping me train on top of, you know, my as well. Yeah. So I would uh, train with Rube, like we would go to the park right off airport way, right by his house. We would run routes every day. We would do cones, like Rube was helping me with my, my 40 time, everything. Like, mm-hmm. and he didn't charge me a dime because he knew like the grind I was on. And he was just genuinely happy to see me yeah. take that path. You know what I'm saying? And Rube was one of the dudes that I called when he was at Frisco City. I called Rube, like, man, like, what should I do, Rube? Like, should I come to Frisco? Should I go to Sac City? What? Rube told me, like, just man, let's go to Sac City with book. You know what I'm saying? So Rube was one of those dudes that I looked up to yeah. coming up. You know what I'm saying? So Rube, like, he was there for me. Like, he helped me whenever I needed it. He was there, straight at the park. And from there, I would go to work. From work, I would go to the gym and train. So that was my focus. Stay on mm-hmm. top of my training, get as big, as fast, as strong as I can, so I can go kill these workouts and make the team. And that's exactly what I did, man. I, I, was, I got up to 220 pounds in my weight. I got my rule, got my 40 down to a solid four five, almost a four four. Yeah. Man. My home drills was a lot faster. My routes were way more crisp. Everything. Like I'm killing it in the weight room. Like I was able to bench press 315, like 15 times. Squat. Oh. Yeah, like I was a complete beast. So I was ready. Yeah. Like I was I was legit ready. You know what I'm saying? And yeah, so this is where the story begins. October 16th of 2014. And this is the day where I'm diagnosed uh, with my aneurysm at uh, UCSF. Oh. So let me give you a backstory of 
behind that before I even got to my diagnosis of my aneurysm. Two days before that, I'm at InShape City. I'm uh, training my roommates. I live with, mm-hmm. I was living with two other guys at the time. And I'm training those dudes at InShape City. And in the middle of my workout, my peripheral vision from, from here on, from the left side on, starts to get like really, really dark and spotty. Like, you know, when you rub your eyes really hard and you open them and it's like really dark and spotty. Yeah. That's what I was seeing. So I'm thinking like, maybe I'm dehydrated or something, you know, maybe something of that nature. So I just walked off, walked it off, tried to get some water, came back, continued my training, continued training those guys and working out at the same time. Yeah. Um, but that vision is still intensive. Now it's intensifying, like it's getting even more dark and, and even more spotty, you know, so I had ended up cutting the workout short after I seen like a few more friends at the gym. I ended up going home and I remember telling my roommates like, man, this, this thing, my vision is really bothering me. Like it's really annoying. And I yeah. keep telling them like, I think I'm dehydrated. I don't know like what's going on. They just keep telling me like, you know, just keep drinking water, Gatorade, whatnot. So I kept drinking water, Gatorade throughout the rest of the day. And it's still there. I even tried to sleep it off that whole next day. Woke up and it was still there, right? So this is two days, right? So this is back to the 14th, uh, no, the 16th, October 16th. Um, I remember going to work that morning and um, taking care of all my business. My peripheral vision is still spotty, dark. I could barely even see out of it now. And it's really starting to, to bother and scare me. At the same time, I'm starting to develop a headache. So I text my supervisor, let him know, like, man, I need to get home. I need somebody to come cover me, take care of the ship. What's so heavy? So fortunately, you know, somebody came, relieved me from my shift, sent me home. I ended up taking a nap. Woke up from my nap, and my vision is still acting up. So I text my mom like, I think something's wrong. Like I think like something's really wrong with me. So she immediately came, picked me up, asked me what's going on. I get in the car. I remember sitting straight forward just to see like if I could see my mom in my peripheral vision, and I couldn't see a thing. Like it was all black at this point. So she took me right to an eye doctor. Got to the eye doctor, he's running a bunch of tests on me, all type of tests, at least like three, four different tests, right? We wait at least like 30 minutes after the test. He comes, calls me back, and he says, man, I really can't do nothing for you. He said, I think there's something way more severe, and I need to send you to an eye specialist. So I'm like, wait, what do you mean something so like more severe? Yeah, like, yeah man, there's something going on that I can't help you with. So now I'm getting nervous. Like, oh, snap. So go downtown to an eye specialist. Eye specialist bring me in the back and he's running like some way different tests this time. Like he hooked me up to a machine where I'm just looking through, looking through two like goggle things. And all I can see is like a white screen and I'm supposed to depict wherever I see like a laser beam, right? On the screen. I'm supposed to point out like wherever I see it. So within that test, he was able to like determine exactly where my blindness was. Then he ran like a few more tests on me. Called me in the back 30 minutes again after, you know, the test results or whatever came back. And he uh, closed the door on me, told his assistant to get out the room. So I'm thinking something really wrong at this point. Yeah. He tells me like, yeah, Mr. Howard, I got some unfortunate news for you. He said, uh, you know, based off the test results, I think you either had a stroke or you got a tumor in your head. And I need you to go to the ER right away. He said, in fact, he sat there and wrote a letter. So I want you to give this 
to the to the nurse or whoever you see as soon as you walk in as soon as you walk in there hand this to somebody oh yeah right so i'm nervous for many reasons one i don't know what's going on with me yeah two i don't have any health insurance zero so who's gonna help me i don't have no health insurance right yeah I reiterate this to not only the doctor, but to my mom. And so the doctor, the eye doctor is like, man, don't worry about that. He's like, go to county hospital and they will take care of you. I guarantee they'll take care of you. He said, take this up to the front desk and they'll take care of you right away. Sure enough, man, my sister, she came, picked me up, took me to the county hospital, went to the front desk. I handed the ladies a note. She looked at it, went in the back. It was like no more than two minutes. They called me right to the back, went to the back. Uh, I started talking to the doctors, you know, getting hooked up for procedures and everything. They let me know they're about to do a CT scan on me. So I get ready for the CT scan. In the midst of getting ready for the CT scan, I see um, my cousin. He works uh, as a nurse for the military, but he was at the, the hospital at the time watching over some patients. So he's sitting there with me trying to keep me, you know, keep me calm, letting me know everything's going to be all right. Ended up running a CT scan. After the CT scan, um, you know, it's just me and my cousin chilling in the room. And then the doctor comes in and uh, my mom comes in, too. So the doctor closes the door. As soon as the doctor closes the door, man, my heart dropped. Because <laughs> of <laughs> yeah. PTSD. Yeah. So that doctor closed, my heart dropped, man. Like yeah. the room, it was like like there was no life left in the room. It was so quiet in there. And so the doctor okay. just pretty much told me, like, yeah, Mr. Howard, I got some unfortunate news for you. She was like, based off the CT scan, you know, I had to inform that you indeed do have a brain tumor. And it's the size of a quarter. Yeah. So I'm like, what? Brain tumor? Like, what do you mean yeah. I have a brain tumor? Like, I don't have time for no brain tumor. I got, <laughs> you know what I mean? I got to work out. I got to try out. Yeah. You know I mean, I've been killing myself to get ready for this brain tumor. Like, where is this coming from? Yeah. Once again, it's just keep going downhill. Setback after setback after setback. So now I got a brain tumor I'm dealing with. Right? So she lets me know, like, we can't help you here. Oh. We can't help you here. She said, there's nothing that we could do to save you on that. She said, there's only two places that we could send you to. UC Davis or UCSF. She said, I'm going to leave you guys for a minute so y'all can determine, like, where you think is best for him to go. So she left, sure enough, left. And it was just me, my cousin, my mom, and they were trying to figure out, like, where I'm going to go, what I'm going to do. Because they're not telling us, like, what type of brain tumor it is. Yeah. They wasn't telling me if it was a malignant or a benign brain tumor. So my cousin was trying to explain to me the difference. Uh, from what I, remember, I remember him saying a benign brain tumor is one that's spreads and if i have that then it's pretty much a done deal for me like even if i uh -huh. had surgery it was going to keep spreading until it did its thing um yeah and i think he said the malignant one is one where they can remove me and remove it and i'll have a chance of, of surviving so after him telling me that um he was just saying like man i think you know ucsf is the best bet for you like they could take care of both of those so we decided you know ucsf was the, the place for me to go. The doctor came back in and we informed her, you know. And this time, like, I'm terrified, extremely yeah. terrified. Like, I'm thinking I got a brain tumor. I think I'm finna die. Because yeah. while I was in college, man, my aunt, she passed away from an aneurysm. So I'm thinking, you know what I'm saying? Like, the, I'm next. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. The brain tumor finna take me out. 
I'm crying, I'm hysterical, you know what I'm saying? I remember she came up to the hospital as they was rolling me out. Like, I'm seeing all type of people. Like, it's young people in there just looking at me, like, just distraught. Like, there ain't no hope for you. <laughs> like, like, damn, it's a shame that this young man finna die. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. everybody was just looking at me so sad. And I remember yeah. telling my aunt when she walked up, she ran up in there, like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I told her, like, man, I don't want to die. Like, because this, this, my aunt, she was the one that always, like, took care of any family member that passed away. She had funeral arrangements. Everything, you know what I'm saying? She was on yeah. top of that. So seeing her walk up in there on top of news, <laughs> yeah. it's like, yeah, uh, like this is too much. So that's that was like the first thing I told her. I don't want to die. I don't want to be next. You know what I'm saying? That's she told me. She whispered in my ear. She was like, "Don't say that." She was like, "Don't you ever say that." She said, "That's the devil talking to you. Don't yeah. ever say that. Believe God's gonna take care of you, right?" So I just kept that in my head. God gonna take care of you. God gonna take care of me. So they rolled me out. Got me in the ambulance. Ambulance, you know, they hooked me up on the gurney, everything, rolled me up in there. And I remember on the way to UCSF, I just looked up at the ceiling and I closed my eyes and I just started praying. I'm praying, I'm praying. I just told God, I said, God, I promise if you save me from this, I will serve. And I, I meant that, genuinely meant that. I said, if you mm-hmm. save me from this, I will serve you. Wholeheart- I will wholeheartedly serve you. And I promise you, man, like that ride felt like 30 minutes. Dude, it felt like 30 minutes from Stockton to San Francisco. It felt like 30 yeah. minutes before I said that. Like, huh. Right? So we get to UCSF in San Francisco. They get me checked in and everything. Get me up to my room. And my first neurologist, he walks in. And he says, Mr. Howard, I got some news for you. I'm sorry to re- to inform you with. <laughs> I'm like, what? Yeah. That news? Yeah. <laughs> If I gotta hear one more time, right? Yeah. I didn't even I ain't even start being as frantic and as afraid as I was when I was in Stockton. All I just yeah. remember thinking to myself is more bad news. Okay, let's hear it. So he says, um, unfortunately, you know, with the with the doctors at uh, the county hospital in Stockton saw it wasn't in fact a brain tumor. Indeed, what they saw was the blood from your your aneurysm. Oh. Yeah, so that dot that was the size of a quarter. In fact, that wasn't a brain tumor. That was dried up blood from an aneurysm. And then what caused my peripheral vision to be gone was the fact that that blood dripped on my optical nerves. Yeah. So if that blood never dripped on my optical nerves, I you probably would have never knew about the aneurysm. Yeah. Right. So that was a blessing within itself right there. Exactly. Allowing it to just fall on optical nerves, alerting me of the fact that I have an aneurysm now. Right. So he informed me, you know, yeah, you indeed have an aneurysm and we're going to do our best to hurry up and shut that thing and get it closed. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, okay, yeah, let's do that. So they hooked me up to um, what is called a, a, an angio, angiogram where they shot a tube for my groin muscle I can't remember how far the tube went exactly, but the, the purpose of the tube was to inject ink into my body. Mm-hmm. Shot that first tube and injected ink into my body so they could see exactly where the aneurysm was, right? So they handled that and they saw exactly where the aneurysm was so they can determine where they need to glue it. Here's the crazy thing. So what caused 
my aneurysm was an extra blood vessel that I was born with. And they call this, the the term for this is arterial venous malformation, right? So the uh, medical term for short is AVM, letter A, letter Uh, VM. And so for the purposes of the video, that's what I'm gonna call it, AVM. So arterial uh, venous malformation. It's just literally when you're born, it's a blood vessel that can't be detected. It literally cannot be detected, but it's latched onto the main artery of your brain. So not only it can't be detected, but as it as you grow up, so does it that. Grows. It grows. Yeah. So this thing got so big that it was the size of a tennis ball. Wow. Yeah. So I got <laughs> a cluster of extra blood vessel in my head all my life, and it grew up to the size of a tennis ball. So not only did I have an aneurysm that I survived for two days that bled onto my optical nerve, but it came from uh, a, a cluster of extra blood vessels that was literally the size of a tennis ball in my head, bro. Do you know how big a tennis ball is? How old are you right now? I mean, how old was you at this point? 26. So 26 years, yeah. you got football for at least 10 football. of those years. Yeah, basketball. I didn't fell on the back of my Contact. head. Basketball. I had concussions. God kept me through all that, right? Now, it's one, nothing, right? Yeah. It's crazy. That's crazy. It's crazy. It crazy, right? So they were <laughs> able to glue that shut. Um, they had to run another tube on the other side of my groin up there to, to glue that shut. They took care of that. So thank God they took care of that. And this is where they start, you know, my procedures and everything. Um, monitoring my head, making sure I don't have any more, like, have any strokes while I'm sleeping, stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, and on top of all this, my, uh, my surgery was postponed because of my neurologist. So I was able to get the new, the number one neurologist in the world for AVM surgery. The number my surgery was postponed. Dr. Lawton at UCSF, you can look him up. I'm not sure if he's still there, but I know like a lot of my neurologist team had retired. But Dr. Lawton, he was, they told me like, man, you are so lucky. Like you got the, the best guy. Like all my whole neurologist team just reiterate this every day. Nurses, everybody came in like, man, don't worry. Like you got the best. He's literally number one in the world. Like this is all he does. And that is all he does. My surgery was postponed because he was in China performing the same thing. The same exact surgery, AVM surgery performing on someone. So I had to postpone my surgery because of this, right? So yeah, I'm so the hospital. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It gets crazier. <laughs> it gets oh, crazier. Boy. Yeah, so I'm sitting in the hospital, man, you know, just doing my best to stay positive. You know what I'm saying? Doing my best to stay positive. My dad comes, right? My dad comes. And, and I ain't seen my dad in some, some years. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, he came out to a couple of my arena games, but he was on, you know, he was still in the same hype he was as I was coming up. He wasn't yeah. all the way there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's kind of hard seeing him knowing that you ain't all the way there. Like, yeah. Anyways, long story short, like my dad wasn't there for me. And I, had, I really learned, had to learn how to forgive him in the hospital. Yeah. I had no choice but to learn how to forgive him in the hospital. And yeah. I wasn't even, to be honest, I wasn't even angry when I saw him. Like I knew exactly what I had to do. And I told him straight yeah. up, like, you know what, Dad? Like, I, I know 
a lot of the things that you went through wasn't necessarily your fault. You know, yeah. you were sick. At this time, he's better. You know what I'm saying? So I just basically just mm-hmm. let him know, like, genuinely forgive him. And, you know, he started apologizing, you know, for not being there and my upbringing and, and this, that, and third. But after that, like, my dad was always there, like, every night. Him and my mom. Like, my mom, she always sat in her chair. She never moved out that chair. As long as mm-hmm. I was in that chair, she was in that chair. And then I had my dad, who slept, like, right next to my bedside and always read me a Bible verse every night. You know what I'm saying? So that within itself was something special because I really just let that go. Boy, you thought. Stay tuned for part two.